Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. How many of you have ever How many of you get awkward around silence? <laughs> silence. Come on, how many of you remember back to the early dating ages or maybe or stages, maybe you're kind of in that new, you know, dating relationship and you're still getting to know the person and the first time you're in the car and then there's silence. <laughs> like worst experience ever. It's just like, uh, like what's wrong? What's really wrong? And this is especially pronounced if one of the people is a talker and the other one is not very talkative because one is used to silence. Or maybe even, even at work, maybe the lunchroom, you know, silence and the lunchroom and it's just kind of awkward. They're just kind of eating their own, you know, eating their own food. Or here's one. If you're a parent with young children, maybe you're familiar with the awkward, like the ridiculous amount of awkward silence in Dora the Explorer. I remember the first time watching with the kids, there'd be these long silences, and I understand that she's giving space for the kids to repeat back, but sometimes there's this long, awkward silence for no reason, and you're just kind of like, I feel awkward for Dora, you know? Like, it's, it's just, like, weird. But you know what? We don't like silence, do we? We get kind of restless in it. And I think part of it, it's because of the world that we live in, are always on, tech, we're, we're connected, we got noise. You know, if it's not right with us, it's around us. And we've been actually trained or conditioned to have noise so that we get restless and try to fill the silence when it's there. You know, we get in the car and instead of having some actual silence, we flip on the radio or flip on, you know, we're listening to podcasts or doing, you know, whatever. Or, you know, we're at home by ourselves. We flip on, you know, the TV or something. So there's background noise. We have a hard time with silence. True? No, I am fully aware that there are those that crave silence. If you're a more silent type personality or if you have like little humans that are all about the noise. 24-7, you're like, bring on, the, bring on the silence, please. I need the silence. Here's a fun fact. Did you know, this is, this is hilarious. The word noise, the Latin root of that word, it literally means queasiness or pain. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Queasiness or pain, and every parent with really loud children is like, yes. But you know what, this is what 
the scientists, they're, they're doing a lot of weird studies, and I think it's probably part, partly due to our always-on world, is that they're finding that silence is actually needed and necessary for good brain health. There was a study that they did actually as early, it was as recent as 2013. They were studying the effects of constant sound and noise on mice brains. Now, I have never figured out why mice and human brains, the way they study mice brains, and it's supposed to help us understand, but I don't know. Maybe we, have, we actually have a brain like a mouse, maybe, most of the time. But what they found, they had a control group of these mice that was, it was silence. They had two hours of silence for this one group of mice. And what they found that wasn't initially what they were looking for in the study was, they found that the mice that had two hours a day of silence actually started to grow new brain cells in the memory and emotion part of the brain. Isn't that crazy? It's like the silence made them more attentive and more aware. But there's a silence that's frustrating. And maybe you can relate to this. It's when God is silent. Or when God seems silent. And I think this is something that Every one of us can relate to to some degree, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. And, and in fact, if it, it, this might actually be the reason God being silent might actually be the reason why you don't believe or you stopped believing or you stopped following Jesus. Because you maybe have this experience, maybe as a kid or through a really difficult season in, in your life, or maybe just because you were trying and trying and trying to talk to God and trying to people talk about, I, I heard from God and God felt so close, and you're trying to have this connection with God, and you're trying to hear from God, and you were trying to get some answers to your prayers, but all you got was silence. And maybe you can relate to that. And, you know, we've been on this series called, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I just, I want to wrap it up, and I think it's almost kind of fitting as today is also the first Sunday of Advent. And Advent is a time of actually bringing in some of these practices of slowing down and silence and, and actually getting ourselves ready for the, the, the big celebration, which is celebrating Christ's entry to earth. But I want to wrap up today with, can I trust God when he's silent? You know, in my own life, there was about, you know, I've different times. Like growing up, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, growing up in church and, you know, praying, it's just like, I don't hear anything from God. Like, what's all that? And I remember, you know, times when, you know, in my early, in my early, uh, late teen and young adult, early young adult years where I was definitely not following Jesus and doing my own thing. And I was frustrated. It's like, God, why, you know, I really want some answers. And why aren't you giving me some direction here? And I couldn't hear because of where I was at. But about a few years, just a few years back, I remember going through a really, I call it like dark days, where all of the, the typical ways that I had connected with God, I'd heard God speak to my heart or speak to my spirit, the ways that he felt close, all of those typical ways, nothing was there. It was nada. It was like crickets. Chirp, chirp, chirp. And I felt like for a lot, for a, almost an entire year, I felt like I was going on autopilot in my faith. An autopilot in, okay, God, I know you're there. That is unshakable in me, but I really would like to hear something. Anybody relate? 
online, if you can relate to that, thumbs up or, you know, put the silence emoji, whatever it is. But, you know, in, in Psalm 22, the D- David, he wrote this very, I think it's a very relatable A very relatable psalm, Psalm 22, he said, My God, my God, why have you turned your back on me? Your ears are deaf to my groans. My God, I cry all day and you are silent. My tears in the night bring no relief, but still you're holy. Now, this was David giving expression to something in his own soul that he was experiencing. But what also is amazing about this, this is actually a prophecy that would come hundreds of years later of Jesus when he was on the cross. In fact, in Psalm 22, there are 33 descriptions that were fulfilled when Jesus was on the cross and through his crucifixion. 33 descriptions in that psalm alone. So when Jesus actually said these very same words when he was on the cross, if you're familiar with that story, after they had beaten him and after they had nailed him to the cross, there was a moment where he calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus made those words, everybody listening in the Jewish, the part of the Jewish um, people, they would have remembered that psalm. And Jesus, by saying those words, He was actually identifying, I'm the one this psalm is talking about. Yeah, it was David who wrote it, but it was prophetic. So here's something to consider. Jesus knows what it's like to have God's silence. Huh? How does it work? I thought he was God, and how does God not talk to God? I don't know how it works, and we're not going to try to go there today. (laughs) But Jesus knows what it's like to have God's silence. Don't mistake God's silence for his absence. So what happens in the silence? Well, I have five surprising, wonderful things that happen when God is silent. You want five awesome things? Five amazing things? As I thank you for that big yes. That was great. Okay. Number one, everyone, number one. Number one, we get to see the real us. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) come on. How many of you have ever experienced that? Things get quiet, and you're trying to be quiet, and all of a sudden, man, you become aware of a you you didn't know was there. You become aware, and you know, sometimes this is kind of frustrating. You know, one of the, one of the spiritual practices that we talked about is, is actually silence. Not just when God's silent, but when we're silent and we're quiet. We're practicing silence, and that is scary because when you get silent, all of a sudden, you start seeing all the crap and stuff in you, and you're just like, I want to have that noise, please, so I'm distracted. But the thing is, when God is silent, He's actually creating a space for us to become aware of the stuff that's maybe hurting us or destructive to us that we might not be aware of because we're busy, 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 and we're going and going, and we got all this noise and distraction in our head. It's kind of like, you know, if you get a really bad splinter, but you don't know it, it's kind of like we had a really bad splinter in our soul called sin, and it is infected, and God's like, I need to get that out. And that silence is is God creating this space for us to become aware of how desperate we need him and of who we actually are without him. 
He wants to show us the real us. We become, we become aware of the real us, not because God is there pointing out all the bad stuff and saying, you're so bad and you're so evil, I'm going to get rid of all that sin and you are a horrible sinner. No, he's coming to heal us is what he's wanting us to do. And see, I can't say yes to a savior unless I know I need saving. And that's why we got to be okay with that silence where God's maybe showing us all the crap inside that we just don't want to be aware of. And God's not pointing it to condemn. He's saying he's pointing it to us so that we can let it go and say, God, you took this on the cross for me. I don't want it in me anymore. We get to see the real us. Here's another one. Number two, if we lean into the silence, it will train us. If you learn how to lean into God's silence, it'll train you. And this is what I've discovered. I used to become so frustrated, whether it was moments or seasons, when it felt like, God, you're not speaking to me. I felt like I can't hear you. I can't feel your presence. And, and sometimes even, you know, we equate, you know, God's, hearing God speak to us is God's presence. He feels very near. That can be, mean kind of the same thing. But I used to get so frustrated when God seemed to be silent. But I have learned that if I lean into it instead, it actually begins to develop or train in me a silence muscle. Now, why do you need a silence muscle? You might ask. <laughs> because we need to learn. Not everything needs to be said. <laughs> not every thought. Not every idea. Not every opinion needs to be verbalized or posted. <laughs> it's kind of like this. It's, if I'm leaning into it, I mean it's kind of like this. How many of you have ever been scuba diving? Scuba diving? I know it's a really popular sport in Alberta. But <laughs> maybe, you know, somewhere warm. But I remember the first time. If you've never done scuba diving, maybe you're like me. You didn't want to because the thought of breathing underwater is just a little bit freaky. But it's that first, you struggle, and I remember the first time when they train you in a pool, and you got the, the regulator on your mouth, and the, you know, they're practicing, they're running you through some of the basics, and then the instructor says, now, you're breathing in the regulator, it's that thing that's attached over your mouth, and then it's the thing that goes to your oxygen, and you're breathing in normal, like in the normal air. He said, now, go underwater and keep breathing, and you are going, no way, no way, no way. It's the freakiest experience, but the minute you get under and you lean into or you release and just take that breath, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the freakiest thing. I'm breathing underwater. And then it's even cooler when they take you out into the real ocean and you can see all the stuff. But leaning into God, leaning into that silence is the same way. Instead of resisting and getting frustrated, if we lean into, God is creating the silence muscle. And see, that muscle of silence is also the way we fight against the enemy. When the enemy comes in with all sorts of lies, all sorts of accusations to you, all sorts of voices of condemnation and guilt and shame. You know how Jesus, what did he do with his accusers? It says he was silent with every accusation. And you know what? That's sometimes I've been coming, I'm starting to recognize that silence is a weapon. Not how we give each other the silent treatment, but we need to give the enemy the silent treatment. It's just like, not even going there. I am not having that conversation with you in my head. We need to give 
that little voice in our head, all of your own thoughts or whatever, you just need to give it the silent treatment. You're such a jerk, like you should, you blew up again and you told her you would never do that. Silent treatment. We need to give the enemy the silent treatment. We need to give those voices of condemnation the silent treatment. Here's the third thing, number three. What is God doing? Something amazing in the silence? Sometimes he's getting the attention of others through our circumstance. And Jesus often taught like this. There were times when he was silent. Like when a woman that was brought to him and thrown at his feet, she'd been caught in adultery. I always wonder, where was the guy? You know, why did they just bring the woman? But all these religious leaders brought this woman. She'd been caught in the act, it said, of adultery. And they threw him at his feet. And Jesus, you know, the, the religious teachers were like, what are you going to do? What's your judgment on her? What, what's right? You know, she was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus, what do you say about this? Ha, ha, ha. Jesus just silent. Psh. Knelt down, started scribbling stuff in the sand. And then he finally says, you know, if you're without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. They all laughed. You know, another time, there was another woman. She was not a Jewish woman. And she was following Jesus and his disciples because she needed Jesus to heal her daughter. And they were walking for a while, and this woman was, Master, Master, I need your help, I need your help. And finally, this had been going on for a while, enough that the disciples, and Jesus just totally ignored her. And finally, the disciples were getting really irritated. They're like, Jesus, tell her to shut up. But what Jesus was actually doing was teaching them a lesson. Because this woman wouldn't give up. And she kept pressing him. And his silence was to get his disciples' attention so that he could teach them about his grace and what he really wanted is that he was moved for that, to that woman. In fact, there were only two people in the New Testament that Jesus said had great faith. And both of them were Gentiles, non-Jewish people. One of them was a centurion who came to Jesus for healing for his servant. And the second one was this woman who wouldn't let up. Jesus' silence to her, was a way of getting the attention of others so that he could teach them. And sometimes I think God's silence in our own life is to get maybe the attention of those around us. Who's watching you when you're waiting? Who's watching how you respond to prayers that aren't seeming to be answered? Who's in the sidelines watching while you're frustrated in the silence, maybe it's your kids or maybe it's a friend who doesn't quite understand your faith, but who could God be wanting to really reach in a profound way through our circumstance? Here's another one, number four. God's silence is his attentiveness, not his neglect. God's silence is his attentiveness, not his, not his neglect. And again, it's so easy to think, I'm doing something wrong here. Why isn't God speaking to me? What's wrong here? When really, it's a sign that God's doing something more. He's actually more attentive than what we think. See, the goal of being with God isn't just to hear God speak to us or to answer some prayer or to do something for us or for us to have this feel-good experience. The goal of being with God is to be with 
him. He's trying to bring us into this place of really incredible intimacy with him. And, you know, I remember, in, again, early days of marriage. You know those silent, you remember those days, honey, when, you know, the early days when there'd be like silence, you're just kind of like, ah, you like the silence. So it probably was really wonderful for you because he likes the silence. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, you know, the first days there's these long motions, so I'm like, did I do something wrong? Like, what's wrong? Why is he not saying anything? He's sitting there, he's like, he must be upset. Like, what's wrong? And I tried to start the conversation, and that sometimes went okay, and sometimes just like, he felt even more, and he, he responded, like, oh, I was almost more annoyed. I'm just like, that makes me even worse. What am I doing wrong? But you know what? As we've almost three decades of marriage, that's a lot of years. 30 years almost. 30 years, honey. Oh, I'm not, oh, thank you. I wasn't going for the clap, but that's awesome. But almost 30 years, man, now those moments of silence, when you become so comfortable with someone, not comfortable in a, in a careless or a, a casual way, but, but comfortable in terms of a healthy ease. There's a peace. There's a, we fit. And now those moments of silence, they're not awkward. It's actually a sign that there's this deep intimacy that's developed over 30 years. Lots of talking, lots of not talking, learning when to talk and when to not talk. But see that intimacy. God wants, I think God kind of wants that from us too. He loves when we talk. He loves when we come to him to talk. But I also think there's a part of him that likes those silent spaces where we just want to be with him. We just want to be with him. And this last thing, number five. And I just want to say, I want to give this opportunity now for the people that are getting baptized. If you could go now, you can stand up and go out the back entry there. One of um, Joy, I think it's Joy back there, is going to lead you to just answer questions. But you can go get changed and get ready for baptism at the end of the service. And it's going to be so exciting. Oh, it's great. Wonderful. Number five. Are you ready for number five? Yes? Okay. Something awesome that is taking place in the silence. God is wetting our appetite for what's coming. God is wetting our appetite for what's coming. He's preparing us to experience him in a way we have never experienced him before. And I found after the, the long seasons where it feels like God's been silent, those are some of the most profound encounters with God where I have discovered something about God, about who he is, about his character that I've never known before. And I think one of the most profound stories to illustrate this is in Jesus' own life. And it's found in John chapter 11. And we're not going to read this whole thing because it is a long story. But I'm going to give you some of the highlights. And you might be familiar with this story. Maybe you're not familiar with this story. But it's a story of three of Jesus' closest friends, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They were siblings. And they were some of Jesus' closest friends. And Jesus and the disciples are in a different town from where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus live. And one day, while they're in this other town, Jesus gets this message from Mary and Martha from the sisters saying, Jesus, listen to this, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. 
These weren't just, you know, great friends of Jesus. He loved them a lot. Lazarus was probably one of his closest buddies. The one you love so very much is sick. And jumping down a couple verses in verse 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. No word from Jesus. No, I'm on my way. No, I've got a few things to wrap up. I'll be there as quick as I can. No, I've got this. He's going to be all fine. No reassurance, nothing. Silence. And then, verse 17, Jesus and his disciples said, come on, we're going to go. They go to the town where Lazarus was, and verse 17, what they, ha- what they find, when Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already dead four days. Here we have two sisters, family, friends. They all went through a very painful ordeal with Silence from God. With silence from Jesus, God in the flesh, the one they'd seen perform so many miracles. And yet he's late, no word, and his closest friend is dead. And both Martha and Mary at different times. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was there, she goes out. And I think there was a lot of extra words they probably left out in here. But what she said is, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mary says the same thing. If you'd been here, Jesus, if you'd been here, if you'd done this, if you'd just done this, my brother wouldn't have died. And what you can look at and you can read the verses for yourself, but what this is the in-between I want to fill in here with, with what I think Jesus was also communicating in the words that he spoke to Mary and Martha. See, I think there was a part of Jesus, whether he said it verbally or what he was trying to help them understand was that, yes, Martha, yes, Mary, you're absolutely right. If I had been here, your brother would not have died. I would have healed him. Just like you've seen me do so many times with others. But, and here's the key. You would have never known any more about me than you already know. I knew you were ready for a greater revelation of me than you've ever known before. I wanted you to know that I am the resurrection and the life. My silence wasn't rejection, it was preparation. An opportunity for me to reveal to you more of me than you've ever known.
I want to read that again because I feel like we really need to let that settle into our spirit. My silence wasn't rejection. It was preparation, an opportunity for me to reveal to you more of me than you've ever known. And I think that's what God is doing. I think that's what what he's doing in these silent moments, in these silent spaces, is God could very well be preparing you, preparing us for an encounter with him, an experience with him, for knowing him in a way we've never known him before. I want to invite you to stand. I want to pray. Because what happens when the silence comes, it is so easy to slide into depression. It's so easy to slide into guilt. It's so easy to get formulate arguments in our head and try to sort out and make excuses or reasons or try to, God, what am I doing wrong? And what about this? And you know what? We gotta resist that urge. And we gotta learn how to lean into it and learn how to take that breath. And breathe in. God, I'm going to breathe in your silence because I know that there's something about you that you're wanting to reveal. I know that all the noise and the busyness of my world and the busyness of my schedule and the busyness of the internal chatter of of just my life, I know there's so much more about you that you want to reveal and you can only reveal it by getting my attention. And some of you where you're at, your prayer might simply need to be, Father, I don't understand this silence. You're going to have to help me here. And can we maybe even just pray that? You know, online, I want to invite you to pray with us. And in the room, I want to invite you to pray too. Just, you know, just say, and especially if this relates to you, if you feel like you've been in a place where maybe your whole life, I've never heard God. I've never felt his presence. God, I've never, or it's been a very long season of where I just felt there's silence. Can we just pray this together with those who, this might, this might not relate to you, but as we pray out loud together, I think it can actually release faith for others who are praying this and it's actually really hard to pray this just say heavenly father i don't understand the silence but would you help me (laughs) you're gonna have to help me here god thank you that you are close more than i know thank you jesus god thank you god thank you God, thank you that you're present. And God, I just pray, especially for those, Father, those that are watching online. And God, anyone in this room where, God, that silence is just overwhelming and overpowering. God, I thank you that, God, you are creating a supernatural strength. That, God, you're bringing freedom. You're bringing healing. You're bringing release from, God, the stuff in us that we aren't even aware of. And God, you're even creating and training us in that silence muscle that we know how to put the give a silent treatment when the enemy comes in with the lies but God most of all we thank you that you're bringing us into this place of intimacy you're trusting us father to just be with you and to experience more of you than what we've ever known before God thank you God thank you thank you and you know, so, so we are preparing, or as I was preparing this message, there was this, there's something I just feel like it might be for some specific people, whether you're watching online or in the room. There's some of you that have been praying and you've been asking, God, I need some specifics about this. I need some specifics about this. I've, where, where are the specifics? And you kind of just, it's either silent or you just kind of get, you know, general things. And God, I just felt like God wanted to reassure you 
that the specifics will come in time. But right now, there's seeds planted in your soul. And you need to nurture those seeds by just continuing to be present to God. Nurture those seeds through prayer. Nurture those seeds through doing what you know to do to follow Him. Because as those seeds are growing, God is also changing you. And He's transforming you so that you will be the person ready to be able to handle and experience those answers, those specifics when they come. And so, Father, I just pray, whoever this might relate to, whether it's someone in the room or maybe watching online, God, I just pray for your grace in this season. Father, grace to nurture those seeds and to water those seeds well. That, God, whatever the specific answers, whatever the specific thing is that is being sought, God, we thank you that what you're growing is greater than what we can imagine. And we just ask that you continue to transform us from the inside out. And church, one more prayer that we're going to pray together. And it's a prayer of saying yes to following Jesus. And you know, some of you might actually, you know, one of the ways that you can recognize when God is actually speaking to you is sometimes we get really uncomfortable. It's like our heart starts racing when God is asking us to do something. In fact, some of you, some of you, God might be asking you to get baptized today and you weren't planning on it. But we have all of the supplies you need, including clothes to change into. <laughs> to get baptized. And see, baptism was actually, that's the way we actually follow Jesus. We put our old life in the water like a grave and we come up brand new. It's an act of faith. And some of you, Jesus is saying, will you follow me? Will you say yes to following me? We pray this prayer every Sunday, but can I pray, can we pray this together? Say, Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done to save me, to take away my sin, and to give me a brand new start. And I say yes to following you and living on mission with you. Thank you for a brand new start today. Amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.